Good morning. I'm Rick Bonsham, and I want to share with you a word entitled, The Value of Praying in the Spirit. Now, I want to begin with two incidents that help us to understand the urgency of the moment and the will of God for the Apostle Paul uh, on the second example. And the first is example is on the life of the Apostle Peter. These are two leaders in the early church. It says on Acts 10.44, While Peter yet spoke these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all of them which heard the word. We're in Caesarea, by the sea. The first time that uh, the gospel is taken out of the Jewish environment into the Gentile territory, Caesarea. The man that is involved here is Peter. He was at the house of Simon the Tanner, and he had a vision during uh, before lunch. And the vision was that he saw a sheet coming up from heaven filled with uh, 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 reptiles. And the war was, Peter, kill and eat. And he resisted. But God said it again in a vision to the Apostle Peter, That which I have sanctified, do not call unclean. Referring that his call was about to come uh, from, from Caesarea to Joppa in the person of three men that came to ask the Apostle Peter to come to Caesarea and meet Cornelius in his whole house. So Paul came and gave a word in the verse 44, chapter 10 of Acts says, While Peter was yet spoke these words. Now what words were they? I want to repeat to you the words because it's so important. It's just a simple little message. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. He's convicted that God is no respecter of persons. But in every nation, he who fears him and works righteousness is accepted with him. Meaning, suddenly the gospel is about to move out of Caesarea into the world. Out of Jerusalem into the world. Now, the way it occurred on all of them which heard the word was on verse 46. And, uh, and I'll get to it very quickly. Verse 46 says, For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Spirit as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They prayed and he tarried with them certain days. Now the emphasis here is on verse 46. For they heard them. Who are they? The apostle. Cornelius, the leadership, heard them. Who are they? Those in the house of Cornelius. Speak with tongues and magnify God. Now, this is an interesting subject because he is referring with praying in the Spirit. I know that it is a gift that is very 
uh, minimized by media, minimized by pastors, minimized by society. In America, to, to refer to this, you have to have a lot of courage. Well, I don't have any common sense uh, or even courage, but I'm going to do this because I think it's necessary. These are days of pandemic. These are days of losing loved ones. About uh, two months ago, two, mo- two and a half months ago, I lost my wife. And I entered into a time of deep prayer. And I'm still uh, in my heart and my spirit praying, asking Lord to, to edify me and to build me up for the task ahead of living by myself. So I'm speaking as a grieving husband, and I'm speaking on the way I have overcome this, because I have overcome the pain. And I'll tell you as we go along here, I have overcome the sadness. I do believe that God healed me. And I prayed in the Spirit a lot. So, while Peter yet spoke these words, the Holy Spirit fell on them which heard the word. Now, the the evidence that the Holy Spirit felt on them is that they, they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. So there is a direct connection between the Holy Spirit falling and them speaking in tongues. Now the same idea, the same event, the same situation happens when Paul came to Ephesus. Remember, Apollos is at Corinth. In, in Acts 19, Paul comes from the north area to the city of Ephesus. Paul, as he arrived, laid hands on 12 men that waited for him. 12 men. And the Holy Spirit fell upon them. And they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Acts 9.7. It says all the men were about 12. Acts 9.7. So, these two events, these two situations are important to notice because it is the Apostle Peter bringing the gospel into the world of Gentiles. And this is Paul coming into a city that at that time had about 250,000 people. And Paul is forbid to go in Asia, in Maja. And then turns left after Troas and Samothrace, ends up uh, uh, in the first missionary journey, uh, a second missionary journey into the area of Cappadocia, which which involved Macedonia. And there, uh, God began to do wonders in their lives. Now, how do we interpret this? Could have been done differently. Could have been done to where they first receive baptism of water and confession of their sins and then allow them to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, it is an interesting subject. It is, it is, we need to, we need to look at this more carefully. And the first thing I want to say to you is that when you pray in the Spirit, it is directly connected to the urgency of the moment and the will of God for the moment. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you pray in the Spirit, it has to do with the moment, the urgency, the need. Look at Peter. 
First time in the house of a Gentile. God had delivered him from, from uh, all of those things. His sermon says, I believe that God is no respecter of persons. Caesarea, Acts chapter 10. And then Paul, after trying to minister to the Jews in, in Asia Minor, suddenly comes to Ephesus and begins a ministry that lasted a couple of years. And he says and Acts that the word from that Bible study in the hall of Tyrannus was heard throughout Asia. Why twelve men? Oh, God is trying to put a team together to help the Apostle Paul accomplish the purpose of bringing the gospel to thousands. So praying in the Spirit is not really disconnected from the idea of salvation. Praying in the Spirit is not disconnected from the idea of being anointed by the Holy Spirit. It is, it is a part of the effort of the Holy Spirit to convict you and to bring you into a place to where you have a healthy prayer life. Now, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, uh, says this, The Word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even between the dividing of a, a sunder of soul and spirit, joints and marrows, and the discerner of thoughts, and is a discerner of thoughts, and intents of the heart. Notice, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Now, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by, by the Word of God is actually able to minister to your soul and your spirit? All I want to tell and call your attention now is that you see there is a, a separation into what is a spirit and what it is a soul. Scripture is able to minister to you, to your, your soul with precision. The Word. And minister to your spirit with precision. Now the question is, what is your spirit? What it means when you say, my spirit. First of all, it separates from your soul. Proverbs verse 20 Chapter 20, verse 22, says, The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. Soul is the animated life. The spirit is the candle. The, the soul is the seed of the senses. The spirit connects or refuses God. It is the engine that brings your soul to know God. You know, I have a computer. In order to go anywhere in the world with my computer, I have to use Safari. And Safari is an engine that connects me to, to the world and to the world web. The same thing, uh, uh, pray in the Spirit. It connects you to the world of God, the deep, deep places of God, the mysteries of eternity. And as you as you begin to pray in the Spirit, you are actually relating your spirit to the Holy Spirit in the deep matters of faith that you're not able to verbalize. You're not able to put together. You know, as my wife passed away on the 23rd of December, I couldn't speak English. 
Why? Because I was hurting so much. I couldn't speak English because my, my, my soul was grieving so horribly. And so I prayed in the Spirit. And it edified me, it built me up, it strengthened. That's what, that's what praying in the Spirit does. The number one thing, and I'll talk about it later, but it builds you up. Now, in Genesis 2-7, God formed men from the dust of the ground and breathed into His nostrils the breath of life. Notice the word breath of life. And then became a living soul. We don't see the word human spirit there. But breath of life means neshama or neshama, nethep. In Hebrew, which is translated spirit. So if you read this verse again, God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed to his not the breath of life, and man became a living soul. You should say, dust of the ground and breathed into his spirit into his nostrils, the spirit of man, or the breath of life. Breath of life, the spirit of man. So, it is deep. It is the deepest part of your being. Why the spirit in us? You have a body, you have a soul, you have a spirit. The part that communicates with God is from your spirit. You can pray in English in your spirit. You can pray in tongues in your spirit. You can pray, you can, your soul can, you know, soul prayer is very difficult. Soul prayer makes you worn out easily. And as I was hurting for losing my dear wife, I was, uh, oh my goodness, I was hurting terribly. For the first time in my life, I never had so much pain for 61 days. Almost died of pain. But as I began to pray in the Spirit, God began to revive me. On the 61 days, which is a Sunday, 21st of February, I walked into a little country church where John Walker was preaching. 11.45, my, my, the Lord came and healed my soul. Took away to heaven all my, my sadness. Took the pain away. And I've been doing very well since then. I miss her. I cry a little bit. I love to see our pictures together. But my Mary Lucy is with the Lord. He is with, she's with Jesus. You know, yesterday I told her, I told Jesus, Lord, let me ask you a favor. If you find Mary Lucy somewhere there close to you, would you whisper to her and tell her that I'm coming? So, good. It is the deepest part of our being. So why the Spirit in us have a soul, a soul, a spirit in a body? It is the engine that takes us to God. So does not, but the Spirit of man can refer to eternity. God, use, your, use my spirit to connect to you. John 4.24 is an interesting verse as Jesus speaks with a woman at the well. God is a spirit. And those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. Now, can you have a prayer language and deny the validity of it? Yes. Can you have a false prayer language and not benefit from it? Yes. Can you have a prayer language and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and uh, be totally against the Holy Spirit? Yes. Yes. You can, you can fake all the way if you want to. 
But when you have been battered, when you have been broken, when you have been taught, when you have been instructed, when you have suffered the pain, the agony of defeat, when you have cried tears of blood asking God to have mercy on your life, when He gives you a prayer language, you don't take it lightly. You begin to pray. God is a spirit. And those who worship Him must, must, must. You cannot worship without praying in the spirit. Christian life begins with our human spirit. John 3, 6. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. You can be born of flesh. You can understand all of this. You can comprehend all the theology of uh, what happened to Peter and it happened to the Apostle Paul at Ephesus. But when you come to a point in your life to where you have nothing to depend on, nothing uh, to, uh, to argue anymore, you want to be born of the Spirit of God. My brothers and my sisters, uh, I want you to be born of the Spirit of God if you have not received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. To you Brazilians that are listening to this word, se você não nasceu do Espírito, você não terá uma vida alegre. Porque nascer do Espírito significa aceitar Jesus como seu Salvador pessoal. So when you speak in tongues, your spirit is praying. It is the language of your spirit. Isn't that interesting? It is the language of your spirit. Now 1 Corinthians 14. 14 says this, If I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays. So, if I pray, and so in the kingdom of the, in the kingdom of God, faith is essential to break through. I begun by simply opening my mouth. And as I began to pray, I began, actually I began to cry. And as I began to cry, I began to humble. And as I began to humble, I began to be broken. And my spirit begins to edify me. Tongues begin when you pray. You open your mouth and your spirit begins to pray. It begins with you. It begins with you. The Holy Spirit comes into your spirit and electrifies it. It moves. It shakes your spirit. And as it shakes your spirit, you begin to pray. By the way, if you have no prayer life, if you spend five hours, five minutes a day in prayer only, and you can't last two minutes, you need to pray in the Spirit. Now, let's take a look some observations and I have about five minutes to finish here. Uh, uh, maybe a little more, right John? A little more. Let's talk about my observations about what I have learned about this wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit. By the way, I divide the gifts into three groups. The first three are 
revelation gifts. Why? Because they reveal something. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits. Now, another observation. When you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and you go to verses 8, 9, and 10, which describes the gifts. They're all in this order, with one exception. Discerning of spirits is mentioned in the number 8 place. But if you take discerning of spirits into the top, the order is perfect. Why did Paul do that? I don't know. But word of knowledge, word of will, discerning of spirits is by revelation. Word of knowledge is a revelation from God. Word of wisdom is a revelation about the future. Discerning of spirits is what's in front of you at 10 feet in diameter. All the healing that occurred in the Bible fits the three major gifts of healings. Faith, working of miracles, and gifts of healings. And then, three vicks are vocal. Prophecy, tongues, in interpretation. Now this division is perhaps not known by you, or perhaps uh, you never understood this way, but that's my experience. Now, is this 100% correct? No. I'm a human being, so I, I don't think that uh, I have 100% of the truth. But I'll share my experience with you. And if you check over the third world countries where God is saving millions that's the way the Holy Spirit is understood. If you go to Africa and to every single place to where there's a Holy Spirit church, that's the way they see it. So I'm not alone. I might not be alone with the liberal seminary. But I'm not alone in terms of world support and understanding and approval of this. So tongues, the first thing it is, is for personal edification. What do you mean by edification? Physically. Psychologically. Mentally. Spiritually. It is an awesome weapon. Why would praying in the Spirit make you strong? Physically. Never figured that out. What is the connection here? You know, I uh, I never tasted Perrier water until a couple weeks ago. I just like to buy the cheap four ninety five for fifty bottles of water, and I uh, go to the refrigerator and get that water from the filter there, and and that's enough. But so I, I you know, I've seen people drink Perrier water all the time, so I bought me a bottle. Oh my goodness, that water just moves into my mouth and just begin disappearing in my body. I drank the whole bottle in one swallow. I never taste anything so pure, so good, so so beautiful. You see, maybe you've been drinking some horrible water thinking it's good water. Maybe you just have dirty water. But the water of the Spirit Changes your understanding of water. 
And so edifying is physically, psychologically, mentally, spiritually, verbally lifting you up from where you are at that particular moment. It gives you strength to the energizing of your bloodstream, your heart. When you take vitamins, you sense the difference. Especially on this pandemic. You know, vitamin D, vitamin E, vitamin this, zinc. And, uh, and so, uh, <laughs> when you take and you pray in the Spirit, as if you are having a shot of Perrier Holy Spirit water, it just cleans you. It builds you up and strengthens you. Jude verse 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. So the first thing that tongues does is physically and personal edification. When I'm, uh, when I'm about to uh, finish finished a service. It was a five-hour service overseas. I get to my hotel, take a good shower, lay in bed, and I begin to pray in the Spirit. And I can feel the difference as my body began to breathe, breathe, and breathe, and breathe. And before too long, I'm just eight hours uninterrupted sleep. Even though downstairs, the whole world is cracking up sounds. And the cows and the and the chickens and the and the and the motorcycles, everybody's making noise and and the, but I wake up to the sound of nothing. Number two, tongues is for interpretation. There's a type of word that can come from heaven in tongues to a congregation, and the congregation can be only understood in a public assembly if someone's interprets. First Corinthians fourteen five is for interpretation. Now we don't see that in America, but in Brazil, in Africa, in places of revival, yes. It's happening all the time. A word from God. Number three, tongues are for deep and accessory purpose. When you're travailing, Romans eight twenty six talks about with groanings which cannot be uttered. It's not referring to tongues, but it's hunger, sadness, pain that you can even utter. You know, during these 61 days of mourning, I just call, oh God, shut up, oh my God. And I, and I noticed that my spirit could not stay without it. And so intercessory prayer, in tongues is powerful prayer. And Jesus is the right at the right hand of the Father as your intercessor praying for him. So when you talk to Jesus, do you speak English? Yes. Do you speak Portuguese? Yes. Do you speak Spanish? Yes. Do you speak Chinese? Yes. Why not you speak in the Spirit? What's wrong with that? By the way, those who laughed and ridiculed about this gift don't do too well in life. Number three. Number four. Tongues or, or praying in the Spirit is a sign for the unbeliever. 
1 Corinthians 14, 22. And uh, I, I have not been able to separate this in my, in my Bible, but it's 2 Corinthians, is that right? 2 Corinthians 14, 14, 22. Let's take a look at that for just a moment. 1 Corinthians 14, 22. And I'll read to you real quick. 1 Corinthians 14, 22. It says this. Wherefore, tongues are for sign, not to them who believe, but to them who believe not. It occurs in the day of Pentecost. If you look at Pentecost, it happened there. Because all the people from different parts of the world heard someone speak their language. It transcended the intellect. It transcended language barriers. It was a witness to the unbelievers. And the fire of God saved 3,000 souls. That's number four, right? Now, did I just give you four little things here to consider? Yes, I did. So let me just close with uh, supernatural thoughts about this. The Holy Spirit, number one, the Holy Spirit creates your tongues and puts it in your spirit. The flow of authority is of the Holy Spirit. But you have to open your mouth to receive it from the Holy Spirit. You don't Close it. And God has to open. No, you, you, you verbalize it. You breathe in, you breathe out. You lift your hand. You say, God, I want, it, I want it. But the Holy Spirit comes from heaven and touches you and touches your spirit. Number two, you can pray with your mind, but the results are not the same. When you're in church, you pray with your mind, so everyone understands. But when you are in your closet, pray in the Spirit to be edified. So you can pray with your mind. I'm not saying the prayer with your mind in English is, is absolute. No, sir. No, sir. Paul said, I, I speak in tongues more than you all. Meaning there are some of you who do not. And it's okay. This gives not for everybody. Number three. Tongues open the door to another world. Everything comes down. Everything comes down. The only thing that goes up is prayer. Revelation comes down. Visions comes down. Dreams comes down. Transits comes down. Words of angels comes down to us. What goes up? Only prayer. So prayer is critically important because it is your connection into another world. Way up, way up there, above the, the blue sky that you see above you. It's in the deepest of space into a place called heaven. Number four, tongues, hearing tongues, movements is in the same channel. When you get a vision, a prophecy, a revelation, a dream, or so forth, that's the same channel the Holy Spirit uses to bring you praying in the Spirit. 
The difference is that all that comes from heaven stays. The only thing that goes up is prayer. I've said that twice. Number five. Tongues activates the supernatural of God. When the supernatural begins to happen, everything that happens in your environment is just totally out of order, totally out of balance. You know, I was preaching this last weekend. There's about 75 people in the, in the congregation. And I've decided to make an invitation. I want to anoint you, every one of you with oil. Not every single one of you with oil. That's why I came. And I want to say it over your head, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit of God. And they all came. All 70. Not a single person left behind. What happened? What happened? Supernatural. In Brazil, you don't need to preach. You get up in there just as before the music begins, and you ask them to receive Christ, and they receive Christ. Amen? Well, I think I said a lot already. I hope that you got something out of this. Amen? The Lord bless you. Now, I have two other teachings on this series, and I hope that you'll be able to listen to the rest of it. I'm going to have seven teachings on this on this subject. God bless you. And let them through the wilderness in